Amen. Right on, King Jesus. Right on or right on? Ride, right, 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 right. Either is fine. Part of this piece of the service is to say right on, King Jesus, as he does ride on for us this morning. Friends, if you're here for the first time or maybe haven't uh, been here in a few weeks or that sort of thing, over the last six weeks together we have been uh, participating in a sermon series we're calling The Images of Jesus. As we look at the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we begin to see that Jesus has many faces, that Jesus is, yes, Savior, that Jesus is a healer, that Jesus is God with us, that Jesus is a life giver in resurrection life here and now. And even as we wait for Easter to come, we are reminded of that. We are reminded that Jesus is socially just. He cares for those who do not have anything and he provides for them. And we know that Jesus is also a teacher, the one who guides us in all truth. Today, as we conclude our sermon series, we come to the Jesus we know as Liberator, who rides on into Jerusalem to liberate us. But before we jump into our scripture passages this morning, let us take a moment to bow our heads and to ask God's blessing upon the reading of his word. Let us pray together. Holy God, we give you thanks that on this Palm Sunday we remember that you rode on a donkey into Jerusalem on our behalf. We remember in the Gospels, Lord, you remind your disciples at the Last Supper that you have eagerly desired to have this meal with them. No one would think that you would be excited about riding to your death, but you would. Because you know what's at stake in that for us. You've come to liberate us, Lord. And that is your passion. We might know you. We might find you, experience you. We might find forgiveness and healing, repentance, your love, and to walk in your way. And so, God, as we come this morning into your sanctuary, we pray, O oh God, that you would open up your word afresh this day that you would speak to us right where we are, that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts and even our hands to receive you so that we might leave this place continued with open hands that share you. But we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen. Friends, our unison scripture reading is all about Palm Sunday. It's from Luke chapter 19. I encourage you to read along with me as we read God's word together. Let us read together. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus 
threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Our second reading also comes from Luke's gospel, but it actually takes a step back. We're with the triumphal entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. We know what happens during Holy Week, but we're going to step back to the beginning of Jesus's ministry before he even does anything in which he is gathered in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth. Here now from God's holy word. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On May the 4th of 2002, I had an accident occur with a propane gas grill that totally changed my day. I was working as the youth director in the first church that I served in Bennettsville, South Carolina. And it was customary every year with the youth group there to do a a, a fundraiser that would support their youth conference to Montreat. And so we would cook chicken quarters and we would make green beans and all the fixings that go with that. And we would sell plants within the community. We'd pre-sell them. And then we'd get up early that morning and we would cook those chickens and we'd make sure that everything was ready and the kids would come in and they would serve the meals to everybody in the community and the money raised would support them on their trip. It was early in the morning. I gathered there with uh, three other men of the church and we had four large pit cookers there. So I'm not talking about the little propane grill you might have at home. I'm talking about the big daddy ones, if you know what I'm talking about, and big enough to hold 500 leg quarters. And so we got them on the grills, and they were cooking, and everything was going great. It was a damp morning, and it was a little chilly that morning. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this wind came in, and it blew out the flame to one of the grills. So immediately, I turned off the propane gas, and I opened up the top of it. And this particular grill had a little flap at the bottom where you lit it. And so I opened it up, and I let the gas dissipate. At least, I thought that it had dissipated before I went back to relight the grill. And when I reached in to relight the grill, uh, unbeknownst to me, I was met with this huge fireball that came out of it, and it knocked me back about five feet, and it hit me like a Mack truck. 
I didn't know at the time that I had been burned. I was in shock and uh, couldn't believe what had just happened and was standing there with an elder of the church whose face, you know, was a little charred and he was black. He looked like he had stepped out of a cartoon, you know, with Wally Coyote or something like that. And I said, are you okay? And he said, I'm fine. Are you okay? Well, I'm fine. Until about 30 seconds later, it felt like somebody had opened up the gates of hell on me. I looked down and noticed that my knuckles were bare on my right hand. Skin was just peeled back. I was rushed to the emergency room at the local hospital in Bennettsville, and they said, ooh, this is not good. You have severe second-degree burns. We've got to get you to the burn center at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, where I spent nine days in intensive care, uh, which was a miracle, honestly, that it was just nine days. I came home, and I spent another eight weeks rehabbing with a physical therapist there. And I wasn't allowed to be in the sun for an entire year out of fear that the burn itself would uh, get sunburned and then cause permanent skin discoloration. As you can imagine, uh, my wife and I were just about to celebrate our first year wedding anniversary. We were newlyweds. We were married on May the 19th and uh, 2001. So 15 days away from that first anniversary. And here I am laid up in the hospital and then home And then the bills began to come in. As you can imagine, those hospital bills were pretty expensive. They're way more expensive now than they used to be. But there was easily an excess of over $150,000 of medical debt, which just blew me away. And I thought to myself, how on earth am I going to afford to be able to pay for all of this? We had insurance, and even with an out-of-pocket maximum, that was going to be a lot of money that we were going to have to pay back. And I didn't know how we were going to do it because I just finished college and stepped into this position, and I had school loans that I had to pay off. I had credit card debt from having to buy computers and books and things like that because I didn't have the money for it when I was in school. And now I had all this debt, too. Yet out of the chaos and the anxiety over my physical well-being, and then, of course, the stress of having all of this debt, God's blessing showed up. You see, the accident occurred while I was working, and therefore it qualified to be filed as a workman's compensation claim. And because of this, our medical debt was completely forgiven and paid for, which released us from a very, very large burden. This was truly a gift of God. I find that in life, all of us understand that word debt all too well. Every American deals with debt. We all have some form of it, and I find that it can be quite an oppressive force that we face in life. In fact, I was reading just recently that there was a 2021 study done on credit card debt in America, and it said that the national average credit card debt among cardholders with unpaid balances was $6,569, which includes debt from both bank cards and retail credit cards. But you all know better than that. That's the average And yet we all know that if we own a home, we have debt. If we have a car loan, we have debt. All of us have all kinds of more debt than just the debt that we might carry on a personal credit card. People have differing degrees of debt. and Many struggle from large debts that are hard to pay back because of high interest rates and tight budgets. Sometimes this is self-inflicted. 
we can be foolish with having access to that. Other times, it's the only resort for us to make ends meet. But regardless, debt can hold us captive with little hope of being set free. As we wrap up our sermon series today entitled The Images of Jesus, we come to a passage in Luke's gospel that reminds us that Jesus is the one who can set us free. That Jesus is the one who can forgive all our debts. Prior to our text this morning, Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist. The light from heaven has shone upon him. God's voice has spoken. This is my beloved son whom I love and I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit of God leads him from the Jordan River into the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days by Satan. Not not succumbing to temptation, Jesus then leaves from that place and he goes back to Galilee, the region in which he grew up. And it says that in the power of the Spirit, he gathered there and he began to teach in their synagogues. And apparently he was a pretty good teacher because it says, according to Luke, that everyone praised him. He must have taught short sermons in the synagogues, I guess. More than likely, he was going to different synagogues, kind of like circuit preaching, going around and reading the scriptures and teaching everyone who was there until eventually he comes to a place called Nazareth, which was his hometown. And it had been a while since Jesus had been there. And so he did like everyone else did. He came to the synagogue on the Sabbath day to worship. And in doing so, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed over to him. And unrolling that scroll, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled back up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened upon him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your Jesus is handed the scroll of Isaiah. Now, have you ever opened up the book of Isaiah? It's kind of long, okay? Pretty long book. I think he had to roll it quite a while to get there, but he got where he wanted to go, and it was Isaiah 61. And it's customary, after reading the Scripture, to teach to those who are gathered there. But Jesus doesn't give a lesson. Instead, he announces its fulfillment. And he minces no words with those who are gathered. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on him. And he is the one who has been anointed through his baptism to proclaim good news to the poor. You see, this is a messianic scripture. One that people would have been familiar with and known that the Messiah who was to come was going to do these things. And Jesus proclaims that he has come to do the work of the Spirit, proclaiming liberation and healing before it ever happens in his ministry. It's important to know that Jesus has not yet healed anybody. He's not cast out any demons. He has not done anything of that sort. He's not even called disciples to follow him yet. This is his announcement that his ministry has begun and this is what he will be doing. 
He sets the stage that today is a new day. That change is coming in and through him for all who are oppressed. Jesus promises to proclaim good news to the poor, the ones who find themselves economically and socially on the margins of society. In fact, if you remember, Jesus was born a peasant. And so he himself identifies with the poor. And he's been sent by God to proclaim freedom or the release of the prisoners, those who are held captive. And the Greek word here for release is aphasis, which is also associated with the forgiveness of debts and the forgiveness of of sins. Jesus has come to free those who have large debts, those who are imprisoned for defaulting on their loans, those who find themselves guilty as charged for the crimes that they have committed, and those who are slaves, indentured servants. And his message is reflective of Israel's command to honor the canceling of debts every seven years. And to celebrate what's called the year of Jubilee, which was the 50th year for Israel, in which God commanded them to cancel all the debts of those who owed money and to free all those who were slaves. Jesus has come to wipe the books clean, to release those who are indebted, and to set them free. But he's also come to heal the blind. He will restore the sight of those who are physically blind, but he will also open the eyes of those who are spiritually blinded to his arrival. And he's come to set the oppressed free, to cast out the demonic forces that oppress God's people physically, socially, economically, and even politically. Jesus is the great liberator The one who will release the burdens of the people, showing them the good news of God's kingdom reign in and through himself. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in their hearing, and today Jesus will begin to show them what it looks like as he begins his ministry in Israel. For Jesus cares for the poor, blessing them with his beatitudes in the gospel of Matthew, feeding them with spiritual and physical nourishment when they seek him out or when he seeks them out. He heals their illnesses and casts out the demons that oppress them. Jesus eats with the outcasts and the sinners in society, treating them as valuable even when others regard them as less than. Jesus heals the blind. He makes the lame walk. He touches and heals an untouchable leper. He cures a woman who was dealing with a bleeding disorder for years and years and years. And then he raises a dead girl to life. Jesus pursues a tax collector named Matthew and tells him to follow him. He pursues another tax collector named Zacchaeus. And he liberates him from the greed that has consumed his heart. Jesus eats with Pharisees and tax collectors too. He challenges Nicodemus to consider what it means to be born again and encourages many of them to take his yoke upon them rather than burdening the people with more laws that miss the mark of what God intended the law for. And even as Jesus stands on trial before Pilate, Jesus frees a prisoner named Barabbas by taking his place on the cross. Jesus liberates. 
He makes no distinction between the deserving or the undeserving. You see, that's God's work in the world. Liberation, it begins with the story of Israel who was enslaved by Egypt for 400 years of oppression and God hearing their cries and sending Moses and Aaron to lead his people out into the promised land. And it continues in Jesus the Christ, the new Moses, who's come to liberate what is broken and mired by sin and to make it right again. He has come to bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven and to give a foretaste of the kingdom to come. But even his own disciples, even his own disciples who spent three years with him in his ministry... They thought that Jesus' liberation would ultimately lead him to oust out the Roman authorities and to restore Israel to its former glory. They had high hopes that this is what would happen. In fact, those who gathered there on that Palm Sunday, they waved their palm branches and they shouted, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They knew too. That Jesus was a liberator. And their hopes rested on his shoulders to liberate them from Rome's oppression. Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a colt. Not a white horse. He doesn't carry a sword. Nor does he rally an army to bear arms in his name. You see, Isaiah's prophecy would truly be fulfilled in Jesus as he sets his face towards the cross to liberate all people from the oppression of sin that burdens us with the debt that can never be paid by humanity. Jesus will not oust Rome as they had hoped, but he will oust Satan's control over their lives. Giving of his own life, Jesus will go on the offensive by swallowing up death and sin so that the people of God may truly have life, having it now and forevermore. You see, freedom is never free, is it? Jesus knows that he will pay the ultimate cost for our freedom. For we are reminded that he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And as liberator, Jesus releases us from the debts that we owe to God. He frees us from the sting of death and he restores our sight to see the good news of God's kingdom reign that exists on earth even as we await It's fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And even today, even today, this scripture continues to be fulfilled in our very hearing. For Jesus is still our liberator, and he calls his liberated people to participate in his kingdom work, seeking the year of jubilee for all who are indebted and oppressed. Jesus calls us his church by the power of the Holy Spirit within us to proclaim his good news to the poor and to the marginalized and to seek justice to those who suffer under oppression. In fact, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to participate in Christ's liberating work. 
to point people to the great liberator, the one who forgives us of our sin, who cancels our debts, and who cares for and provides for our well-being. And we do this by sharing Christ in both word and in deed. Thus, we work together as the people of God against the oppressive forces that hold people in captivity. We help the poor. That is what our Lenten mission is all about. To help the poor, those with insurmountable debts, the ones who truly pray each day for their daily bread by meeting their needs in the name of Jesus Christ. We give them daily bread as we acknowledge to them that Jesus is the true bread of life. We help those who struggle with addictions and disorders and temptations that hold them captive. We don't have to know all the answers. We do not even have to have the gifts to provide help. Rather, a willingness to help those who don't know what to do or where to turn. We can pray with and walk alongside those who need help. We can help them find the professionals who can help foster healing for them. And together, as God's church, we can remind them of the good news in Jesus Christ that helps set us free from the things that bind us. It is God who calls us to do justly and to love mercy. And as we do that, we're called to combat the evils of racism and hatred of the other in our world called to be good Samaritans who care for the needs of others regardless of our differences of ideology, of politics, of faith, gender, or race. We work for the good of all because Jesus' love is not limited or conditioned in any way. You see, as a people set free from the largest debt we could ever repay, a people redeemed by Christ's amazing grace, We, too, are called to participate in his kingdom work using our freedom to humbly serve others in love. As the liberated, freed in Christ Jesus, we are called as living witnesses to proclaim the true liberator to all who find themselves in bondage, sharing with them that even today, even today, Jesus continues to liberate us, that we might be set free from the sin that holds us captive. You see, church, we are here to worship because we have experienced God's saving grace. We are here because once we yelled out to God, Hosanna, save us, save now. And Jesus heard that cry and he made that happen for us. And he has reached out his arm to us and he has pulled us up out of the mire. We come to worship because we know the Savior. We know the Liberator. We come to worship not just to hoard it to ourselves and say, look what we have found as if we're hiding it from everyone else. But we are called as God's people to go out from this place and to share that with those who cry out Hosanna every single day because they need someone to help save them. Those whose debts are so great that they can never be paid. Those who suffer unjustly from systematic forces that keep them down. God has not called the government to take care of them. He's called the church. The people of God. And we don't do it because, well, it's just the right thing to do. We do it because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We do it because we are a liberated people. Set free to share that freedom and joy 
with others. So as we gather on this Palm Sunday, we remember the true liberation. You see, we're on this side of Palm Sunday. On that side of Palm Sunday, they had different expectations and Jesus didn't live up to the hype. So many turned on him on Friday. We live on this side. And we know that Jesus had different plans. And those plans were far greater and far reaching for eternity for each and every one of us. We know what true liberation is in Jesus Christ. As we come today and as we raise our palm branches and as we shout our hallelujahs, giving praise to God for what he's done for us, let it not just be on Palm Sunday. Let it be every day, week in and week out. We have been liberated. As liberated people set free, we are called to participate in that liberation work that Jesus has set forward and put before us. To participate with him. Friends, may we be quick to do so. With joy. With passion. And with love. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father. And of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, we have heard the liberating word of God read to us and proclaimed to us. Let us now stand and affirm our faith as we recite together the Apostles' Creed. Friends, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, I ask you, we are called to respond to God's word. How might we respond? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, We offer our prayers of thanksgiving to you, for you have sent to us your Son, liberating us from sin. We wave our palms and shout with joy, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. With your blessing, may we go out into this world and proclaim in the name of the Lord the good news of the kingdom of God, bringing your kingdom to life here and now. Anoint us, O Lord, that we may do your work and bring good news to the poor among us, the poor in faith who have not yet come to know you. May we be your church, unified and alive for Christ, that others may come to know of your unconditional love through our words and actions. 
And that in all we do, may we bring glory to You. Anoint us, O Lord, that we may do Your work and bring good news to the poor among us. The poorest of poor who have no place to call home. Who struggle to find enough food and water to nourish their bodies. And to have little in the way of clothing to stay warm and dry. May we serve as your hands and feet, providing for all those in need. Anoint us, O Lord, that we may do your work and bring good news to the poor among us. The poor in health, who suffer from illness and disease. And the poor in spirit, who struggle with depression and despair. May we offer care and compassion through our gifts and our prayers to those in need of your healing. Anoint us, O Lord, that we may do your work and bring good news to the poor among us, the poor who are marginalized, oppressed, and displaced due to war. May we courageously stand together, hand in hand, with all those who have been victims of prejudice and persecution, of injustice and violence. Gracious God, we offer our prayers for those who are lost and those who are seeking, for the homeless and the hungry, for those sick in mind and in body, for the downtrodden and the defeated, for those who so desperately need a miracle right now, and for all whom we hold firmly in our hearts in this moment of silence. Heavenly Father, fill us now with your Holy Spirit that as we enter Jerusalem with your Son, Jesus the Christ, we might be transformed into his likeness to be your presence here in this place, caring for those in need near and far. May our voices be pleasing to you, O Lord, as we offer this prayer that your beloved Son taught us all to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we have all been so greatly blessed by God. Let us now honor God through our tithes and our offerings and our missional gifts. You may place your gifts in the basket here up front or in the rear of the sanctuary. And if you're viewing online with us today, we invite you to go to our website at firstpresboon.org and click on the giving button. Friends, as we have been blessed, let us take a moment now to bless others.